This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Once the new league year begins next month, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to trade Cam Newton in order to rebuild and bring in more draft capital. That's what I took away from David Tepper saying to PSL owners yesterday that in order to do the rebuild the right way, he needs to tear things down a little bit. There were cryptic Instagram posts from Cam as well. It doesn't seem like that relationship is going well right now. Cam, he's made it known publicly he wants to return to the Panthers, but the moment Luke Keekley retired and Carolina decided to part ways with Greg Olson, the writing's on the wall. Carolina's in rebuilding mode. So rather than spend more time talking about the hypothetical of Cam being traded, how about we go the next step and figure out where Cam Newton could be traded to? Because I think there are three teams that are leaders in the clubhouse right now to bring in Newton. I think they would make a lot of sense for the former MVP. It's a segment we're going to call Cam Newtown. It's starting to look like the Carolina Panthers are moving on from Cam Newton. Noted. Moving on. Josh has the most likely places he will go next. Where should we start? This is Cam Newtown. First team, Indianapolis Colts. They are one move away, I think, from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Very well-run organization. Built the offensive line well. Didn't really have much time to react to the news of their franchise quarterback surprisingly retiring before the start of the year. So, now that they've had time to evaluate what's next while seeing the Tennessee Titans in their division go to the AFC Championship game, while seeing a poorly run organization with Houston gamble trading up and grabbing a quarterback a few years ago into Sean Watson and winning the division... As a result, I think they're going to roll the dice a little bit here. Indianapolis makes so much sense because Cam would be well protected. It seems that foot is recovering. The shoulder, it looked good in training camp. We just didn't get to see a lot of it in the first two games. Also, Indianapolis has two second-round picks they potentially could send to the Panthers. Carolina would be down for it because he goes to a different conference. They wouldn't run into him as often and they get draft capital to rebuild. So Indianapolis is the first team for Cam Newtown. Secondly, the Los Angeles Chargers. It's Hollywood, baby. They need somebody to put on a poster. Who would it be right now? Austin Eckler? They still need to figure out what's going on with Melvin Gordon. Antonio Gates recently retiring. Phillip Rivers, they just parted ways with him. Who's the star player for this organization? Is it Greensboro's own Keenan Allen? Cam Newton would be a big enough star, don't you think? So if you're trying to create some buzz in the city of Angels, who better to do it than Cam Newton? Maybe Tom Brady? Well, he's not going to Los Angeles. I think he's going to resign with the Patriots. Once that domino falls, L.A. is going to see that Cam after Brady is the most polarizing quarterback in the league. He's going to generate interest on and off the field. Cam probably would be happy with it too. A new lifestyle in the city of Angels. The Chargers make a lot of sense here because they need to make a splash. They need to create some buzz. And Cam Newton's one of the few quarterbacks who does that with his personality, with his flair, with his style of play. The Chargers own the number 37 pick. I think that would be good enough to get Cam Newton away from the Panthers. Lastly, this one you might think I'm bonkers on. You might think I'm crazy. The Miami Dolphins. Cam Newton is Miami. The outfits, the cigars, the flair, yet still pretty laid back. It fits perfectly into the Miami lifestyle. 
That's where he works out, like he did with Antonio Brown during the offseason, like many players. Miami, they're a team that's not as far as you think. Won three of their last five games, got a good coach. Three of those games were won against playoff teams, a one-point loss in another one of those five. They have two first-round picks. Now, they're not going to trade the number five pick to the Panthers, but if the draft order follows through the way that Mel Kuyper mocked it earlier in the week, Tua Tahavaloa going number three to the Detroit Lions, I don't think the Dolphins are going to reach at five for Justin Herbert. I think they're going to draft either that great corner, they're going to take an offensive lineman, and then maybe they might trade the 26 pick or even their second round pick to bring in Cam Newton. What quarterback after Tua and Burrow do you think has a higher upside than Cam Newton does? He's only 30 years old right now, people. He's a former MVP winner. It would get people excited. You got plenty of picks in Miami, so they can roll the dice a little bit. I think the Miami Dolphins would be a fit if they want to pull the trigger there. So those are the three teams I think Cam Newton could be traded to. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter, at Sports Hub Triad. Where would you expect Cam Newton to be traded to if the Panthers are moving on from him? 336-777-1600 is the phone number. UNC Greensboro is running through the SoCon right now. The only team better in that league is East Tennessee State. The head coach of the Spartans, Wes Miller, former Tar Heel as well, going to join us in 10 minutes. There are two teams that many people are rumoring being interested in Cam, being a fit for Cam that I just don't understand. First off, the Chicago Bears. If you're in the coaching profession, if that's the life you've chosen and you've had success in it, so much success that you ended up at the top level of football coaching, you're in the NFL, odds are you feel like you can fix people. You can coach people, develop them to be something people say they can't. Everyone's saying Mitchell Trubisky is done. This guy, he's a bust. The Bears should move off of him. I think there would be a lot of self-reflecting having to happen for Chicago to completely give up on Trubisky this quickly. There would have to be an admission that they were wrong, not only drafting him number two, but trading up in order to do so with the 49ers up a spot, giving up draft capital to do so. I don't see that happening, especially if it meant the alternative is somebody who hasn't really played the last two years because of injuries. The last half of the year, he was banged up with the shoulder in 2018, 2019, only playing the first two games that he was injured in those two. I don't think they would go for that alternative. It isn't to say they wouldn't move off of Trubisky completely and admit they were wrong. I don't think they would do that if the end result is Cam Newton. The other one's this one. This was ridiculous to me. Tampa Bay, you honestly believe Cam Newton won an MVP for the Carolina Panthers. In 2015, took him to a Super Bowl. One of the more beloved players the Panthers have had. Easily one of the most talented. You honestly believe Carolina's going to trade him to somebody who's going to be playing the Panthers twice a year? No chance that happens. No chance. Also, Tampa Bay was the last team Carolina played. Or Cam Newton played. Last season. It might have been his last game as a Carolina Panther. Nobody knows Camp as well as Tampa Bay does. It's kind of why Carolina had an advantage of bringing in Gerald McCoy. They saw how great he was for all those years, and they wanted him to be a part of it. I feel like we would have seen something already. Like, you can't inquire about Cam yet publicly, because that would be tampering, but I feel like there would be more smoke there. More of an interest. Tampa Bay knowing what Cam is, seeing him more than anybody else, or just as much as Atlanta and New Orleans, I should say. But they have a needed quarterback. They've seen a lot of Cam, and there's not much smoke there right now. I'm not hearing a lot. Tampa Bay connected with Cam, and I don't think the Panthers would have much interest in trading Cam in the division. So there you have it. Cam Newtown, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins. The Bears don't make much sense. Tampa doesn't make much sense to me either. How does 
UNC Greensboro win against Wofford. Really good Wofford team. Probably not as good as they've been in past years, but still a really good program. And drop two spots in the net. They go from 58 to 60. As there's still a dream of two-bid SoCon alive today. The head coach of the UNCG Spartans, Wes Miller, who was just profiled by Brian Hamilton, national writer for The Athletic, earlier in the week. They're getting set for VMI tomorrow. Coach Miller is going to join the show next on The Drive. Hey. 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 This is. What is this? The Drive. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, God. With Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. We've talked about this quite a bit, but the Southern Conference has been a lot of fun this year with Furman being very good, East Tennessee State, and, of course, UNC Greensboro. The Spartans, they're going to be on the road facing VMI tomorrow. The Kedets going up against the Spartans and the head coach of UNCG, Wes Miller, is kind enough to join us on the team bus on their way to Virginia. But, man, what a great game it was the other night at the Coliseum. It went to overtime. The Spartans, they beat Wofford in a very close game. Furman's going to be coming to town next Wednesday. And, Coach, one thing we've learned about you with our visits over the years is that you're never really satisfied. But after an OT win against Wofford, the way you won it the other night, do you allow yourself at least a moment to enjoy the present of coaching a team that right now is 22-6? and six? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we're in the middle of the grind, as you said, so – we're not going to, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, celebrating or, you know, think about thinking about what we've done. That those that's for after the year, the team banquet, and things of that nature. Um, but w- w- one thing we always say is, we're going to enjoy every win until midnight, you know. And so, that was a big win against Wofford in overtime. We made some plays late to get back in the game, and we took some time in the locker room with the team afterwards, told them to enjoy it, but. When it hits midnight, you're on to the next day and, and trying to figure out how to get better and prepare for the next one. That's just kind of the nature of college basketball coming down the stretch. How strictly do you enforce that, though, where you're like, if you even start to think about VMI, does your wife or somebody check you and say, nah, let's, let's let you, you got to wait till midnight or even the other way around where you're maybe enjoying it 12.01? Well, as a, as a coach, I think you're kind of always thinking about the next game, right? Yeah. I, you know even even in those you know moments right after the game um but no i mean listen we like a lot of people we work hard and you know put a lot of time and effort into it and i think one thing that we have tried to do is figure out how to at least enjoy some good moments because uh we work hard to try to have those moments so after the game you know we want our players to enjoy it for a little bit we go out as a staff and get a bite to eat and that kind of thing so we do try to take some time and enjoy it a little bit but it always is a, is, a, is a coach in the back of your mind at all times. It's what's coming next. How long into your coaching career did you stop losing your voice during games? Did I stop losing my voice? Yeah. Oh, man. I, you know, the first two or three weeks I was a head coach, I, I, I kept losing my voice every couple days. Um, and then I heard about some kind of uh, like ginger root and Werther's. And, and I, was, I was able to fix it, like ginger root and, and hot water and, and Werther's, and was able to fix that problem. And usually once a year when we start practice, I lose it for a couple of days and, you know, you know, bring out the old remedy. Um, but it, it, gets, gets, it gets better every year. Coming from a radio guy, hot tea and honey, that usually does the trick as well. Wes Miller, UNCG head basketball coach, joining us. I read the story that Brian Hamilton did in The Athletic on you earlier this week. The headline, as he builds UNCG into a contender, Wes Miller waste no time is it true you had to invest in improving the acoustics of a practice gym because you were losing your voice <laughs> uh, no that's that's not necessarily all true we, we did realize in our practice facility it's like a big box and acoustically that's a that's apparently like the worst type of acoustical setup to for sound to carry right everything just bounces off the walls um, and so trying to teach was, it wasn't about my voice. It was trying to teach, you know, you balls are bouncing and kids are practicing and you'd be trying to coach them. And unless they were like five feet away from you and directly in front of you, they couldn't make out what you were saying or what anybody else was saying. And so it had nothing to do with losing voices. It, right. it had all to do with 
trying to create an environment we could teach and communicate better. One quote did stand out to me in the story, Wes, where you said from your early days at UNCG, quote, I'm sitting there wondering, am I about to lose my job? And a lot of people probably would think that, end quote. What did that low point look like? Because there are people listening to this right now, seeing how great your team has been the last few years, who can't fathom you being a young coach. There was a point where UNCG might have been thinking otherwise. Yeah, you know, we we were struggling. You know, obviously in college athletics, there's a bottom line, right? I mean, you know, winning and losing is is one of the ways that, that, that we're kind of held to a standard of whether we should have our jobs or not have our jobs. And we all know that when we get into this profession and, those, those first handful of years, I was the head coach at UNCG. You know, the, uh, we were we were losing a lot more, and we were, we were winning, so we weren't getting the results that we wanted on the floor. I knew people were aware of that, and we were having trouble, you know, keeping, you know, good players in our program and good people in our program. There was so much turnover with transfers and guys going pro early that shouldn't have done that, you know. So um, it, it was there were some really low moments, but. Like, like we tell our kids all the time when we're coaching them, you know, sometimes the, the most adverse situations and the most difficult things you go through, you know, is, is what helps create some of the greatest things that happen to you moving forward because of what you learn in those moments and what you find out about yourself and each other. And, and so I think that's, you know, those moments were really tough at the time, but I think I value those moments now more than any others because it helped us kind of figure out who we, we are and, what we value here and what our identity is. And then year, years later, I, we were able to find some relative success because of some of the things that we learned in, in those tough years. So I, I value that time a lot looking back at it now. What do you think about the NCAA evaluating the one-time transfer rule? You know, I, 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 I'd like to think I can understand both sides of it, right? I mean, obviously give student-athletes you know, more autonomy to, to make decisions for what's better for them in their lives. I, I support that. I mean, I'm all about student-athlete well-being. I was a student-athlete myself. Um, I also think there's it, it's a slippery slope. It's not just that simple. Um, I, I think if we, if we take away any penalty of transferring, there's going to be so much transferring going on. You could lose some of the, the things that make college basketball really special, you know, that the connection that the fans have with the players over, you know, three and four years. I don't think you'll have little stay places for a long time. You know, and also I think one of the, the great things about growing up, and that's what ultimately student athletes are in college. You know, they're they're in those formidable years that, you know, you grow up. I grew up a lot in that time in my life, and our kids, I think, in our program are growing up in this time. I, I think sometimes it's important to deal with things not going your way, you know, not not the way that you envision them and figure out how to, in that environment, make it work and work through it. And I think that's a big part of growing up. And, and I think when you take away any penalty, you know, you take away some of those things that, you know, you learn from when you go through some tough moments as a college player. And I, so I, I think there's two sides of it. I, I think something's going to be done. Uh, I, I hope the NCAA gets it right and, and, and something that, you know, keeps the fabric of what we try to do in college athletics, but also, you know, gives kids some autonomy and an ability to have better well-being in terms of what they're trying to do year to year. It's UNCG head basketball coach Wes Miller with us here on Sports Hub Triad. The Spartans playing VMI tomorrow, their next home game. It's a huge one. Next Wednesday night against Furman, 7 o'clock tip-off there. Um, I was at Duke NC State the other night, and Kevin Keats was talking about one of the frustrations he's had with the new net rankings, this is the second year it's been installed, and he says that it, it's created an environment where we look at our case and it's made it pretty clear we got to beat either FSU or Duke in order to have a shot here, and the quad one win has kind of cut things off the way uh, the committee evaluates things. It might limit some teams' cases year to year. For you guys, you beat Wofford, the other night, and your net actually drops from 58 to 60. And Wofford, as we've discussed before, it's a, it's a very good program, even though they weren't they aren't as good this year as they were last year when they were dominant with Mike Young. Has the net made things more clear for you or more frustrating? You know, probably neither. Um, 
because I, I just we don't spend any time looking at it. Um, I, I think I understand, you know, Kevin's argument, and I think when you're at NC State, you know, I, I I think you have to be paying attention to stuff like that or somewhere like it. Hey, listen, we're we're in a league that hasn't had two bids in the modern history of college basketball, so we we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. We we think about trying to win the next game and put ourselves in the best position to win the regular season, which puts you in the best position from a seeding standpoint to win the conference tournament, which is the only guarantee we have to get into the NCAA tournament. Now, certainly we hope that at the end of it, whatever the rankings and numbers are, give us the best chance to get in as an at-large if, if those things don't happen. And last year we looked up and we were the last team out, so maybe we should pay a little more attention. But I, I just don't think in, in the non-BCS leagues, Thinking about that stuff day to day is as important. Um, and as you said, I mean, we beat a great team at home here a couple nights ago, and we go down. I didn't even know that, but we go down. Uh, you know, that's that's why I don't pay any attention to it. First of all, I have no control, and second of all, if we're thinking about that kind of stuff, we're not thinking about what's most important, and that's getting better today. Before we let you go, what's the latest update you can bring us on the group tax? How's morale on the group tax with former Tar Heel players? <laughs> Oh man, I, listen. I, I think I think what's neat about the Carolina family is, you know, that every, every, everybody cares so much and everybody's supportive. And hey, listen, I think everybody knows how difficult the year's been down there in Chapel Hill. Um, all, all the former guys care, and all of them are really supportive of the current players and the and, and, and the and the and the program. So uh, obviously, people want to win more, and that's just the nature of it. But you know, everybody's really really supportive. You know, my, my brother's on the team, and then obviously I'm, I'm really close with the entire coaching staff, so I, I feel for those guys. But if anything I know about Carolina and, and Coach Williams is, is right, they're going to keep coming every day into the gym with the same type of purpose and the same type of drive to get better, and they're going to do some things here down the stretch. i got a pretty good feeling about that. But, but explain this one to me. What kind of nerves, since it's out of your control, is going through your body when you watch your brother – stepped to the free throw line in a 91-91 tie on his way to putting North Carolina in the lead against Duke. <laughs> I almost fell off my couch. <laughs> uh, he, he checked in, and I, I literally almost fell off my couch when he checked in the game. And then, he, <laughs> then he gets fouled going up for the dunk, and it was, it was thrilling. I'm so proud of him. He's worked, he's worked incredibly hard, not just on his game, but on his body, to try to put himself in a position to be able to compete you know and just get in the game and, and help his team and to see him be able to do that in the biggest moment you know against one of the greatest teams and one of the greatest robberies I was really proud of that so I'm I am even though they're having a tough year I'm really proud of the job he's doing down there well go get a win tomorrow is VMI still running it up and down the court getting shots up every 10 seconds they still doing that no different coach now All right. um, that guy's actually at the Citadel Duger Balkum who, yeah. who did that at VMI so we still play against that in our league yeah um, but but no you know Dan Earl he runs a lot of Princeton offense in a match zone so it's probably the opposite of what it was years ago <laughs> but man that they're they're difficult to play against and it's a difficult place to play so that's what our minds are on right now well go get a win tomorrow and uh, we look forward to what's going to be a big week next week as well you're the best Wes thanks for doing this Hey, thanks for having me. You got it. That's Wes Miller, the head coach of UNC Greensboro, spending a little bit of time with us here on a Friday drive. We got Ticket to the House to do in 10 minutes, but Wilder Fury is tomorrow. Aaron has been checked out on the show the last 30 minutes. He's been in his laptop. He's been scribbling on a piece of paper. One of the best things Aaron does on this show, something we don't nearly do enough, he previews and recaps sporting events via slam poetry. It's something we figured out is a skill of Aaron's. And as an assistant producer on this show, it's something that we feel like gives him a bit of a voice. And Aaron is also a big-time boxing snob. Like, he's trying to angle every opportunity to get fight game into the show. And it's Wilder Fury tomorrow, one of the bigger fights I can remember in a while. So, Aaron, do you need to turn down the lights in there in order to have artistic integrity? See, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, yeah, you're somebody who, uh, even though it's not good for radio and it does nothing for the audience because they can't see if the lights are on or off, 
you want to maintain artistic integrity, so Robert just turned down the lights of the control room. Very important to me. Are you ready to do this? I am. All right. Call this one the age-old fight. Saturday night at the MGM. It's a heavyweight thing as the bronze bomber goes blow for blow with the Gypsy King. Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury both come in with no signs of worry, hoping to play some funky music while cherry. Personal insults being flung around makes me sure somebody is in for a primetime beatdown. This time, somebody's old has got to go. So lace them up, put on a show. The winner stands alone upon the heavyweight plateau. Dynamite in the bomber's right hand. Fury sure is one hell of a boxing man. The age-old matchup, they say styles make fights. It's boxer versus puncher. It's plain as black and white. Who will stand as the victor, the bomber, or the king? As they throw down on Saturday night. So who's going to win the fight? I like Tyson Fury. I like Tyson Fury by decision. Mm. I have a gut feeling it's wilder. Just a gut feeling. Even though the idea of Fury getting knocked out, it just seems completely unplausible. He won't. I don't think he gets knocked out. Wait, Fury? Oh, well, that's it, what I'm saying. The yeah. idea that Fury gets knocked out, it's just completely implausible. I don't know, man. Deontay's got different kind of power. I, I, I know, but like that guy just, he looks like, he looks like the Hulk. Tyson Fury. So there you have it. Here comes the life of the party. The Drive. Corrupting the minds and the hearts of our children. With Josh Graham. Program for low expectations. On Sports Hub Triad. Woo! I've always been fascinated with CBA discussion, but I find... I've found, in talking about it on the radio, there are a lot of political aspects to it, a lot of minutiae that's difficult to explain. I don't think this is the best format to get into all the little intricacies. Mostly people care about storylines, they care about quarterbacks, they care about trades, they care about transactions, yada, yada, yada. But Jonathan Jones is somebody who's covered this very well and does... He's, he's one of the best the NFL has for CBS Sports, and he's kind enough to join us here. He's on Twitter at jjones9. So, JJ, let's start with this, with the CBA, um, ongoing CBA discussion and this proposal. The owners, they want a 17th regular season game, and the players, it seems, has a little bit of leverage if they're going to give on that issue to maybe get something else that they want. That's how negotiations work in this. What do you think the most important issue to the players is? Money, uh, the, the revenue split. I mean, you know, you, I, I looked at the proposed CBA, the, the bullet points that the NFL Players Association put out last night about what this proposed uh, deal is, the one that the owners have voted to ratify. And, of course, the owners are rushing to do this. And when one side is very eager to get a deal done, you especially the side that – has eternal leverage when you're talking about 32 billionaires. Um, I would always caution against accepting that right away. So when you say what's the number one thing, it really is, in my opinion, revenue splits. So for the past several years, NFL players, um, if there's 100% of the revenue pie, the players have gotten somewhere around 47%. In this proposal, they have ticked up to 48%. And if they allow for a 17th regular season game, that will then go to 48.5%. All that stuff sounds 
fine, well, and dandy, but if you're a player, you're like, hey, I'm the one that's out there, you know, playing the game. And you look at the NBA, and that is right at a 49 to 50% revenue split, even though the players used to have as much as 57% about a decade plus ago. And so I think that that's where the players should really focus in on, because couple of things the owners are not going to give on they're not giving in on the franchise tag they're not giving in on the length of rookie deals and so these players can still and will still enter into the nfl at 22 or so years old and nfl teams can hold their rights for roughly six or so years really in the thick of their prime if they so wish and i think we're seeing that a little bit with the cowboys and Dak prescott where Dak prescott at no point in his career has ever been paid fair market value for his talents and this year probably still will not and so where you understand the owners will not budge there, okay, where can you get them to budge? And uh, as this salary cap, as these revenues are going to rise over the years, especially after the 2022 season, when you have the TV contracts renegotiated, we're going to see a huge spike in that. And it'd be great for the players if you add one week of games uh, to get more than a half of a percent on the revenue split. Why do you believe the owners want this pushed through so quickly? Well, uh, for any number of reasons, I think that everyone wants to understand what the deal is before they head to Indianapolis uh, early next week at the NFL Scouting Combine when basically all of the deals are going to be done or or begin being done for the start of the new league year uh, on March 18th of 2020. But not, not just that. The NFL ratings are really high right now. Everyone's feeling really good about the NFL. You have any number of faces of the NFL. Uh, you have parity across the league. You have small market teams winning the Super Bowl. And the ratings are up after that 2016 dip. And we can get into why are those ratings dipped and all that stuff. But I can tell you for a fact that the NFL and the owners and the teams all believe that one of the main reasons was it was an election year. That was 2016. Here we are four years later. You've seen all the ads on television. It's about to happen again. And folks are bracing for those ratings to go down. So right now the NFL wants to get this locked in while they have a sterling, sparkling product before we get into the season, into the thick of the season, and people are tuning in to the Monday night presidential debate uh, in September and October rather than NFL football. Before you became a senior NFL reporter for CBS Sports, Jonathan Jones with us, by the way, um, you were covering the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer, and you got to know Greg Olson pretty well, Cam Newton as well, and you still live in the city of Charlotte. When the Panthers parted ways with Greg, they seemed to do so amicably. If the Panthers decide to trade Cam, considering how much he says he wants to return to Charlotte, do you anticipate... Cam taking it well, or will there be a relationship severed there? Uh, the relationship, if that were to happen, I'm not saying that it is or isn't. Uh, there's, right. there's a lot of smoke and gray around that entire situation. But if it were to happen, I do not think it would be uh, happy-go-lucky. Everyone's pleased and thrilled about it uh, moving forward, certainly on Cam's side. And that is not a sour grapes thing. I just believe that everything that we have heard Cam say is that he wants to be with the Carolina Panthers, can't see himself anywhere else. If they do trade him, uh, and he's also said, and I was standing right there beside him and reported it uh, back in December, uh, they have to trade me or cut me. I'm under contract. I can't go anywhere. And so he's put it all on them uh, as well he should. But what wouldn't feel great if you're Cam or if you're anyone uh, who has done as much for the team, the franchise, the city, as he has done is the fact of the matter is this team is not going to get two first-round picks for him if they trade him or one first-round pick may not even get a second-round pick. We're talking about a third- or a fourth-round pick, and that probably weighs on someone's psyche a little bit. Like, yo, they couldn't even get more from me than this? Like, that's what I am worth out there? And so there's that. There's obviously he believes that he belongs. He feels that he is doing what he can do in order to uh, remain with the team. Yes, injuries do happen. They can't be his fault. He can't be held accountable, et cetera, et cetera. So if that does happen, and if I am comparing – um, that hypothetical, which is a very real hypothetical, to a Greg Olson parting of ways when you have a mid-30s tight end who, let's be honest, has lost a step and the team does not feel that he is worth the number that he would command out there on the open market, then uh, no, I do not find it to, I do not believe that it will be as amicable as the Greg Olson situation. What are you hearing Cam's value is? Like, what, what type of draft value? 
yeah, I mean, it, it'd be a mid-round pick. I mean, I, again, I think I think the ceiling would be a third-round pick um, just because of the uncertainty around him because, that you know, he's going to be age 31 uh, in, in 2020. Um, and so he's had the foot. He's had the ankle. He's had the ribs. He's had the back. He's had a couple concussions. Uh, how's he going to hold up? The shoulder is, is a huge, huge deal. Um, that while he says everything's fine, you know, we haven't seen that shoulder go eight weeks into the season since his last surgery. And so all of those things combined, I think that it would be very difficult if you're another team uh, hoping to place your hopes, and that's what you would do in a franchise quarterback. You would be placing the hopes of your entire franchise on Cam Newton. Um, it'd be difficult to give up more than that, understanding the risks that you would be taking on, as well as the money that you would have to pay him because he's only under contract for, for this season. Last thing for you, JJ, Jonathan Jones is on Twitter at jjones9. Read his work. Watch some of his work. CBS Sports. He's a senior writer there. Um, I think the one area the NBA has been better than the NFL is the offseason, specifically when you have free agency begin. You have all these stars moving across the place. And even though there are free agent names every year in the NFL that jump teams, you never really have the quarterbacks making that much movement. You have the Peyton Manning that one offseason, but this time you got Tom Brady. Potentially Cam Newton could be traded. Phillip Rivers, he's out there, and many others. I know you've spent a lot of time on this. Has the NFL ever seen a free agency offseason period like the one we're about to see next month? Not at the quarterback position, so because of that, know that they, they certainly have not. You mentioned a handful of them, but we can continue going, right? I mean, there's, there's going to be Marcus Mariota. There's going to be uh, potentially Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton is in almost the exact same situation that Cam Newton is in. You have struggling quarterbacks out there like a Mitch Trubisky. So uh, not that he's going to be dealt or traded or anything like that, but who goes to Chicago? There are so there are only so many places that a Philip Rivers can really land. Who wants to give Jameis Winston a long-term contract if it's not the Bucks? Understanding that he'll throw for five thousand, but also throw thirty interceptions. And so all of these things are going to make it extremely interesting. Tom Brady, especially where, okay, when is Tom Brady going to make his decision? Because if you want to rewind the clock to what you just alluded to, the Peyton Manning free agency tour of seven or so years ago, a lot of teams were waiting on Peyton. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals were waiting on him. They ended up having to extend Kevin Cobb. Uh, the, the New York Jets wanted him had to extend Mark Sanchez. Like This can change the trajectory, not just of a couple of franchises, but seven or so teams thought at one point or, or another they were in the Peyton Manning sweepstakes. Sweepstakes, excuse me. So, how many teams are going to think realistically they are in the Tom Brady sweepstakes, and how many of them are willing to suspend their their offseason plans to try to land the greatest quarterback of all time? That is going to have a domino effect not only on the 2020 season and across the league, but also on a number of teams' future for the next three, four, five years. I've got good news. I have no North Carolina Tar Heel related questions for you. <laughs> That's good because I certainly haven't been watching them lately. <laughs> JJ, thanks for doing this. Keep up the great work. Appreciate it. You got it. That's Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports, senior NFL writer there. This offseason is going to be nuts. So if we take Tom Brady off the board, obviously when the greatest quarterback potentially ever is on free agency, that's going to be the most interesting domino to fall, or domino, if you will. If we take that off the board, what is the next most interesting thing you want to learn this offseason? Like with the player, their status. Is it a quarterback, or do you go Derrick Henry, or where are you headed when you think about the status of a player who you're most interested to learn where they're going to be playing football? I guess as far as dominoes go, I would be dominoes. interested. Uh, well, it's not really dominoes when it's Philip Rivers. I'm kind of interested to see where he goes because of everyone else that's listed, he is really the only bridge quarterback. I think everybody else you would think they had a hope of at least. There is a bridge water quarterback. All right, the top ten list, wordplay stuff, That let's save that for Tuesday. I'm interested Wednesday, Wednesday Tuesday, or just never, maybe. Uh, I'm interested in seeing where Phillip River goes. I think that makes the rest of the, the quarterback carousel. I do think that Phillip Rivers is the best alternative to Cam Newton that the Panthers have. I do. And I know you might push off of that, think, oh, he throws too many picks, all that. 
Now, while Carolina, they're in a rebuild mode. And that's when you're rebuilding, you want to have, it's not necessarily tanking when you just try to be bad. That's not what teams do. They just try to have shorter-term contracts and build on younger players. And even though Phillip Rivers isn't necessarily young, he's 38, he is durable, he is a good leader, and he's going to be on a short-term contract, one or two years. That's what Carolina values, I think, at the quarterback spot. You want someone who's pretty good so we can learn what you have with Matt Rule and Joe Brady, but you don't want someone too good that he's going to demand four or five years on a contract. Players and managers have been firing shots at Rob Manfred all week long, the NFL, or excuse me, the Major League Baseball commissioner. But I really believe he's not the one to blame here. I'll tell you who is when we begin sharing with Darren next. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. Take it from me, you're driving everyone crazy. Mission accomplished on Sports Hub Triad. This is a segment, as we're sharing with Darren Vaught, we just like to call having fun on a Friday. We like movies, we play the Rotten Tomatoes movie game once a week, and then we'll return back to regularly scheduled programming. In 15 minutes, we'll get to Cam Newton and maybe they soon to be coming divorce between the organization and Cam Newton. Next hour, Wes Miller will be joining us, UNC Greensboro head basketball coach. Before we start playing the game, I think we need to address something. As Aaron comes into the studio for the movie game once a week, joining me and Darren in here, he has sanitation wipes that he is wiping on the microphone you can hear it a little bit probably not if you're in your car like Robert this isn't even registering on the board I bet what Aaron is doing so it's not really an effective practice at all but he feels like there's a chance he could get sick by me because my voice is tired I am struggling with a case of the feel fine don't sound fines that's what I'm struggling with Darren I can't take those chances, Josh Greer. It must be a tough life. The feel fine don't sound fine. So Aaron, the reason he has to come into the studio to do this is because I don't trust him. I don't trust him not to cheat. He has to have his sheet of paper out and write his answers before I do. Same thing for Darren, who has his sheet of paper right out in front of him. What have I done for you to feel like I might cheat? What have I done? You've accused me of cheating. I think the overall point is is Josh is not respecting your care and attention of your immune system here, Aaron. You know, I got a one-year-old at home. Like, I don't need to call it out. I get it. It's ridiculous. I have to put up with this. Let, I, we should unionize, honestly. Let's play the real, movie real. game. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. It's Time for some kind of movie game. All right, all right, all right. With Josh Graham and Darren Vaught. Show me the money. Awesome. Hey, we're back for another week, guys. How you feeling? Fantastical. I just told you. I I, I feel I good look, and sound good. Yeah, that's great. I, if I you feel must fine. Know. I don't sound fine. All right. Rotten, uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes movie game, a uh, game based off movie scores off of that popular website. We're going off of the audience scores, and today's uh, theme is snow day, or snow, whatever you want to look at it. There's a little snow, or a lot of snow, in all of these movies. Uh, you guys are aware of the rules. Uh, golden movie <laughs> will be hit. The if, audience might not be aware of the That's why rules. I'm explaining it. I hate, <laughs> hate, hate, hate playing this game with Josh. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. In the fact that after these movies, all the players are within 10 points, we will go to a final golden movie. Before that, there are three movies with my so-chosen theme, which is snow. And you guys all have your pencils and paper. You're all ready to go? Yes. 
All right, we're going to go in Josh, Darren, Aaron as regular order. Uh, and to start off, I got a fun little movie for us with some snow. You might have seen a parody of this during the Super Bowl commercials. Here's Johnny. All right. If you don't know what that movie is, then I'm going to take a break, and you guys can all go watch it, and we'll come back here and watch it. Uh, it is The Shining. A lot of snow in that movie. I thought for sure when you referenced Super Bowl commercial, we were going Groundhog Day. Yeah, same. That's what I expected. Well, you guys must not know me that well. So write your answers down. Uh, I'm assuming you all have seen this movie. Yeah. Have you? Are, do you, any of you have any interest in the second part of this movie that's coming out? It might already be out. I'm not sure. Uh, and it's all based on, like, the cult of what Shining actually is. What is it? It's Dr. Something? Yeah, Dr. Sleep or Dr. Yeah, who oh, is yeah. the... There's the one, one like, big name that's in the center of this, right? Actor-wise? Uh, I don't know who it is. Maybe Benedict Cumberbatch? Or is who, he Dr. Strange? He sounds like it should be. Who's the lady that played Olive Oil in the first Shining with Jack Nicholson? Uh, oh, whoever it was. Probably not the greatest fit. Yeah. Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor. Ewan. No clue who that is. That is a pretty big actor. Did you say Ewan? Ewan. That was really strange. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to the critic score, is the critic score or audience score? Audience it? score. Okay. Is that something that. that evolves over time, or is that something that's initially what it's reviewed? Do I you mean, know? that's the people who review it, and it can change over time. It depends. Yeah, on right. I think I think there's ongoing review. Like, yeah, it's not. It's it's very. Uh, could fluid. you or I, you or I could go to Rotten Tomatoes and submit a review? Right? I think you have to be an approved. Like you have to have some kind of backup to this, like to be a critic or something. You got can it. still submit reviews for movies, but it won't go into the audience score. All right, I've got my score. Do you guys have everything written down? I do. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know at first this movie wasn't critically received well, and there's some pushback by Stephen King and others, but now it's seen to be a classic. I think the audience score is going to be really high. I have it at 97. 97? Uh, Darren, what you got? Yeah, similar logic. I have it at 86. Ooh, 86. Not as, not as high as you guys. I'm going 84. 84. The Shining comes in at 85. Oh! Both of you guys one away. Man. That's tough. So close. You two. I'm not. Yeah, I was one away. I was 12. What's yeah. the second movie? <laughs> oh, no, we we straddled it, Aaron. That's yeah, okay. You, I see what you mean now. I was confused by your each one away. Yeah, you were both very close, but a lot of game. A lot of game. No big deal. Here is our second movie. Some people say you know them can't believe Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. We have yes. this Wanderers. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one junior. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaican sprinters. Go to Olympics, fight for Jamaica. Uh, I wish we could watch that movie right now. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. <laughs> Get on up. It's bobsled time. So Aaron is obviously a fan of this. Cool Runnings. Yeah. I know have, it. I've never seen it. Really? Never seen what? Cool this was a classic at North Davidson High School. If you had a substitute teacher, you were either going to watch Cool Runnings or you were going to watch radio. Joshua. Josh is cool enough for Cool Runnings. Wow. I'm not proud. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like trying to shame you. That's just, that's it just genuinely shocked me. I, I, I haven't seen Cool Runnings. I think everybody huh. has the movies that might surprise them. Yeah, for sure. Or other people. Want me to get it started here? Yeah, if you guys are all ready, fire away. Just wait for Aaron to write something down. <laughs> yeah. 78%. 78%. Darren, how you feeling? I see pride. I see power. <laughs> I see 79. <laughs> what I've uh, written down. 79. Aaron. Uh... I got 80% written down. I want to change it, but I got 80%. <laughs> 80%. Can't. That's the rule. Wow. Aaron, you're a stud, dude. Cool Runnings comes in at 81. Oh, my God. You guys are all very close. Aaron? <laughs> but I'm still more than 10 off. Aaron has two on his score. I'm serious. I have three. In, in first place currently, you've got Aaron with two, Darren with three, and Josh, you're not terribly far behind. You could still initiate a golden movie with 15. Yeah. It's one of those things where Aaron's had the lead the last few weeks, and he's never been able to sustain it. He's like the San Francisco 49ers in the final 10 minutes of the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan, let's see if he can keep this lead. 
Did you hear he blew a 28-3 lead in a Super Bowl? Did he? Wild. I, I must have missed that. What's the final movie? The Crazy. final movie. Not a big fan of this. I did watch it a lot as a kid. You guys be the judge. You probably haven't seen it. It's Cuba Gooding Jr. in Snow Dogs. I thought and the, movie the was Thunder be. Jack. I leave my outhouse and all its contents. <laughs> <laughs> Great flick. Great flick. Not Cuba's best. Was, isn't it Darren? I thought you were going to say the movie was Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? I only keep saying it like that. Wasn't it Darren that gets perturbed when people call him Cuba? What's your favorite Cuba yeah, Gooding Jr. Cuba. performance? I'm probably going to go back to my North Davidson days and say radio. I usually go Rod Tidwell, Jerry Maguire, Boys yeah, in the Tid- Hood. Wow, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. He had one when he was on a vacation on a cruise ship with a bunch of European models. I don't remember what the movie's called. My mom had it. I wasn't allowed to watch it. I watched it when she left because there was nudity. I was a fan. <laughs> it's not Pearl Harbor. It's not O.J. Simpson. Is everybody ready? Yes. Fire away. This movie is awful. 37%. Ooh. This movie was bad. My computer didn't like that either. <laughs> What'd you say? 31%? 37. 37%. Darren, what you got? Yeah, similarly, uh, this uh, this one a great third movie choice on your part though, just because it's a, a little bit more unpredictable. I put forty eight. Forty eight. Aaron, I have never seen Snow Dogs. Wow, no idea what happened in it. <laughs> uh. Aaron went high. No, I didn't go high. Just because Snow Dogs. Doesn't sounds like an awful movie. It is. And then Cuba Gooden Jr. <laughs> what you got written down? Twenty-seven percent. He does have that written down. Twenty-seven. Okay. Man, he went way low. Wow. Wow, guys. There, uh, there will be no golden movie. Aaron. He did it. Aaron, he you did it, man. It. Aaron is your champion for the movie game. Coming in third place, Josh Graham with twenty-seven. One in front of him, Darren with twenty-six. Aaron, you have achieved an all-time low score of four. Enjoy he, your. What was the score of the off? movie? The score of the movie was twenty-five. Oh my god! <laughs> Everyone, Aaron, Aaron, enjoy your moment. <laughs> Josh Graham is sick. He doesn't want to admit it. He's sick. He looks sickly. <laughs> He's pale. He's sweating. This is ridiculous. I, I'm always those pale are normal. And yeah. What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, he just looks like that all the time. This is crazy. That's it? Heck That's yeah, it. Aaron. I like that. Anytime somebody wants to use their minute of zen to uh, to trash Josh, I'm all about it. Ill-prepared for the moment, though. I it's mean, okay. I've been there, but... <laughs> He's like a Hollywood actress who says she's unprepared when she goes to the microphone, not expecting to win. Can I say? Yeah. You never but know until you're there. Don't they all always... Like, I mean, you got to prepare a speech for that sort of thing. I uh, thank my mom. Yeah. My dog. There you go. The best actor nominees did not, other than Joaquin Phoenix. I think we knew what was about to happen there. Darren, good to have you in here as always, bro. Have a good call tonight. I just called you bro. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, have a good call on NC State that. Gymnastics tonight. <laughs> Thanks. And sure. High Point Basketball tomorrow. And <laughs> NC State Baseball on Sunday. And Tuesday. And on Tuesday. <laughs> Quite a week for you. Up next, evidence of an ugly departure soon to happen between Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. Keep it here on The Drive.